You're listening to the JTD Coaches Me podcast with your host, Joanne Tierney Daniels. Tune in as Joanne chronicles her journey from imposter to empowerment. Joanne discusses real life with real people. You'll be captivated by her guests and their stories. Regardless of whether you leave laughing or crying, one thing is certain. Each episode will make you think about life from a different perspective. Listen in and join the journey as Joanne and her guests explore the best strategies to promote personal growth, find your authentic self, and live your best life. Hi, I'm Joanne Tierney Daniels, a mindset, life, and relationship coach and the host of the JTD Coaches Me podcast. Today, I will be talking about traumatic stress, its impact on our well-being, and the interconnection between our physical and mental health. Stress can alter the way we feel about ourselves and how we relate to others. I mean, most people recognize that emotional stressors can affect our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, but many fail to understand how great their impact can be on our bodies. If left unchecked, stress can manifest itself into physical ailments. I mean, studies have shown a link between stress and sleep disorders, digestive problems, our sex drives, and even mimic chest pain and resulting in what others think is actually a heart attack. On an emotional level, it can cause anxiety, irritability, and depression. And these feelings can then impact us behaviorally, serving as catalysts for us to undereat or overeat, withdraw socially, abuse substances, or misdirect anger. My guest today is Brooklyn Bradley LaFleur. Many would be envious of of Brooklyn's early life, beautiful, intelligent, and popular. Brooklyn seemed to be on top of the world and on a path to success. Her family owned a local treasure, The Beauty in the Book. From her earliest recollection, all Brooklyn wanted to do was to work alongside her family in the one-of-a-kind combination bookstore and hair salon. But as is often the case, life had other plans for Brooklyn. Unbeknownst to her, a series of challenges and heartaches were looming on the horizon. As a result, Brooklyn knows firsthand just how intertwined and closely aligned our physical and emotional well-being are. Of course, I can't tell Brooklyn's story better than she can. So I want to dive in and welcome Brooklyn to the conversation. Hi, Brooklyn. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, we're so excited. So your early life sounds so interesting and exciting. I live in a small town, but didn't move here until I was an adult. I love the community, camaraderie, and mentality of small town life. Tell us about where you're from, your upbringing, your early ambitions, and about the beauty in the book and the Pulpwood Queens. So I am from a very small town in Texas called Jefferson. It is historic tourist town. It is one of the most haunted towns in Texas. So we have a lot of fun here. I grew up with my mom and my aunt and just watching them do hair and makeup. And I knew that's always what I wanted to do. And um, my aunt owned the only bookstore hair salon in Texas. I'm sorry. We're in Texas. She owned the only (laughs) hair salon and bookstore in the world. And so that drew a lot of attention to her. She also started what is now the largest reading and meeting and discussing book club in the world and in three or four countries. And so that's exactly, I mean, there was no question about it. I wanted to go to school 
and graduate and work for her in her shop in Jefferson and help her with her book club. And yeah, so that's, that was what I always, I mean, there wasn't anything beyond that. That's amazing. And it sounds, you know, this sounds so fun. You're right. I mean, to the outside world, you are living an ideal life, you know, a Texas beauty from a close knit affluent family who had a prominent role in the community. Then not only did you fulfill your dream to work at the beauty in the book, but you also became its owner at just 22 years old. Tell us about how that came to be. So I went to school in a bigger city, of course. And so that's kind of where my mom had encouraged me to stay and work because I would make more money and that I went to two different ones and I just wasn't good and I didn't want to be there. And, you know, it, it affected my work. And so finally I ended up my boyfriend and I, at the time we broke up and I was forced to move back home, which was really a blessing in disguise because I just wasn't happy in the city that I was in. And I moved back immediately and started working for my aunt. And I was just so happy and excited (laughs) because I was finally like, this is the start of exactly what I had always imagined. And I was just going to throw myself into community service and the community things that my mom and dad did. And work for my aunt in her salon and then help her with her book club. So I like had it and I want to say maybe a little over a year, maybe a little under somewhere around there. She came to work on a Tuesday because hairdressers don't work on Monday. And she says, my husband and I of 20 or my husband of 25 years and I are getting a divorce. You can either buy this business by Friday or go find a new job. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, going to find a new job wasn't an option. It was never, I mean, this is it for me. So I called my dad and we just took it step by step. That's amazing. That's amazing. You own a, you were a new business owner, but you were also a newlywed too. But as life has a habit of doing, you were, th- you were thrown a curve ball. You found out some disturbing things about your husband incredibly early on in the marriage. You realized you ignored some red flags you shouldn't have. What happened and what were the signs you should have paid more attention to? So right after my grand opening of this new place for this new business I never intended to have, I found out that my husband was pretty much living a double life. I knew the truth, but the life he was putting out there was a lie. And I mean, talk about your world is just completely rocked. Um, I, we were having issues and I had known, I had seen like different things laying around that he said were from before we even got together and, you know, he didn't clean his room. So that was believable and come to find out he was seeing other people and had a different age, a different last name, a different birthday. He owned companies and wasn't married and didn't live in this town and (laughs) all of these things. And, um, so that's when I decided it was time for a divorce. (laughs) 
Well, luckily, the last time we spoke, you told me that you went through with the wedding in part because it would have been a little nerve wracking to be a runaway bride, bride. And you made a mistake that so many of us do. We worry about letting people down and, and the perceptions of others. If you could go back in time to the night of your first bridal shower, when a friend told you something was amiss, what would you tell yourself? And do you wish you had done things differently? I do wish that I had done things differently. I wish I would have had the nerve to, or the guts to not worry about what everyone in my small town thought, but I don't think that I would go back because things ended up the way that they are. And I learned so much and I'm stronger of a person for having gone through this and I can share my story and help other women. So, you know, that's really important to me. It is. It's actually inspirational. I mean, sharing your story, all of it. I mean, and we haven't even gotten to the the most <laughs> traumatic parts yet, but you know, like to, to share your vulnerability is really inspiring. And although you were heartbroken, you eventually rebounded again. You dove into the business, decided to transform the hair salon into a spa, actually, and you had a baby. So, yes. so life was good. Then doctors found a tumor in your son's liver when he was only nine months old. Although I, I can't empathize, I imagine that news was devastating and turned your life upside down. Tell us more about your son's battle and how he's doing today. So it's funny that we're actually talking about this right now because tomorrow we have his four-year checkup for his tumor and all the all the good vibes. But yeah, so I had uh, just purchased and was doing construction on the expansion of my business and we're getting ready for our grand opening and my husband and I find out that our 10-month-old son has a tumor in his liver. And I mean, you know, immediately construction didn't matter. My business didn't matter. The fact that I had new girls working in the spa didn't matter. You know, I still have responsibilities that I had to take care of, but my number one was taking care of our son and his well-being and trying to figure out what was going on and what we needed to do and, you know, whether or not he was going to live or die. And you, I mean the stress, the constant sickness in the pit of your stomach, not being able to sleep, not wanting to eat, uh, traveling back and forth, um, getting angry with nurses and doctors because nobody is giving you a good enough answer. And even though it may not be their fault, you know, at the time, that's who you get mad at. And my business suffered, but my kid was my number one. And how is he today? He is doing so good. He is turning five in August. And like I said, we have his checkup tomorrow, but we've been tumor free ever since. All of his checkups are good. He's taking Taekwondo. Oh, great. Hilarious. (laughs) So he's doing good. Great. Great. That's the best part of your story, actually. So the decade of your 20s was tumultuous in in many ways. And many people in their 20s are only have to worry about exams and and dating and happy hour. You were juggling a business, a marriage, a divorce, a second marriage, motherhood, and your son's debilitating medical diagnosis. That's a lot to handle. How did all of that impact you psychologically? So I tend to be 
a pretty strong person emotionally. Like whenever I break down, it's in private. I don't really talk to anybody about my feelings about past trauma or stress that I've had. And it just from not allowing myself to decompress, not giving myself somebody to talk to about, you know, I I can talk about it, but like not really like deep conversation, talk about different stress and trauma that I've been through. And it starts to, when you're not, you know, giving yourself time to unwind and decompress and let out and de-stress, you start to feel it physically, emotionally, mentally, and it, it can have a big impact. And if, you know, when you're not taking care of yourself, you, it's hard to run a business when you don't feel like your best self. It's hard to be a wife. It's hard to be a mother. It's hard to be a friend to anybody when you're not being a friend to yourself. Yeah. So you really battled back from devastation. Your son was doing well. You you took command back at the spa. Then your husband decided to run for county judge. You barely had time to come up for air. And politics isn't for the faint of heart. During his campaign, you faced new challenges and had to endure the typical political mudslinging. You had already been through so much in your life. I mean, how did your husband's ambitions affect you? Were you past the point of worrying about what other people thought? And did that experience take another toll on your mental health? It definitely took a toll. My husband and I were very close and I love to be there for him. He's great at what he does. And I have to say that going through the mudslinging and the campaign taught me a lot, a lot to the experience of that. We were surrounded by tons of, you know, people who showed us love and support and really had our backs. But, you know, you have your certain group of people who will say and do whatever. And yeah, we went right into that. And neither one of us, I don't think, took time to, you know, come down from the way we were feeling when our, you know, we were in the hospital with our son. You know, we went through certain mudslinging incidents that were worse than expected and worse than a lot of people have seen in our town and probably in bigger towns. I mean, we went through, you know, some really bad incidents and the stress, the constant like panic attacks, you're just worried, you get no sleep the impact that that has on your body over and over for weeks at a time, it can do a lot of damage. I can only imagine. And all the experience you just, you endured during your decade of turmoil impacted your mental health. And as I mentioned in my introduction, many people don't realize the strong correlation between our mental and physical health. It may have been invisible to, to outsiders, but your physical health was unraveling. At one point, you literally collapsed in the street. It must have been a terrifying experience. You know, please tell us more about what happened that day, your diagnosis and your recovery process. Yeah. So I had started to feel like really bad, bad about myself. I didn't have any energy. I didn't want to do anything. I just wasn't like, I mean, I was happy. I I wasn't depressed, but 
there was something missing. I could feel it physically. And, um, I, one thing I did do though is run like every single day. I loved to run. It was just a good time to like have some me time and get out and be outdoors and get some exercise. And my cousin and I were running and the next thing I know I'm being picked up out of the street by police officers and I couldn't move either one of my legs. I thought I would be like, I thought that it would pass and I would be able to get up and I just couldn't. We went to the doctor and they did x-rays and they couldn't find anything. Um, They ran blood work and there wasn't really anything there. No health condition that had caused it, but it basically boiled down to the fact that I had not been taking care of myself when your vitamin levels get low, which can be caused by stress and trauma and not doing anything to counteract that. It can cause your muscles to get really weak and you might not realize it until it's too late. It can cause your bones to not be as strong as they were, and it can have a lot of other different effects on you. And so that's basically what it came down to is just, I wasn't take, I had not given myself any time between traumatic stress and anxiety attacks to, you know, counteract what I was doing to recover from that. So now, didn't it take you several weeks before you, you could walk again? And, and what did that recovery entail? I mean, how were you able to turn that around? Well, I have a really good husband, y'all. <laughs> he does a lot. Um, he's a great father. He's very supportive of me. And he took care of me. I couldn't move. I couldn't. He had to bathe me. I just was on the couch and it gave me a lot of time to think. And I started, you know, doing some research and just hoping I could get back behind the chair at some point. Um, I didn't, I don't think either one of us realized that I would be down for as long as I did, but I had damaged my right knee because I landed directly on my kneecap, on my right kneecap. And then I had twisted on the way down um, my left ankle, like really bad. Like I couldn't walk on it for weeks. So nothing was broken. So they couldn't fix anything. I just had to wait until it healed. And I was lucky enough. My husband took care of me and our son at the same time and waited on us hand and foot and did everything by himself. And then when I was able to stand up with crutches, I put a stool behind my chair and did, you know, whatever hair I could do, like one or two clients a day. <laughs> well, you sound lucky, but, uh, but I can attest that he, he's a lucky man too. So your recovery process included an in-depth exercise of self-awareness. I mean, what did you learn about yourself and the importance of self-care during that time? As much as I hate to admit it, I learned that I have never let myself recover from anything that happened. I just powered through it and moved on with my life. There's a lot of things I've never talked about that I probably should talk about. I learned that running and drinking a large amount of water is not going to cut it. (laughs) 
you need to do so much more than that. You need to, you know, do some self discovering and you time, even if it's 30 minutes, give yourself time to decompress, find something that works for you that isn't toxic. Like don't drink your sorrows away or eat your sorrows away. Like, you know, find something that you enjoy, go for a walk. While I was down, I redid my whole way of thinking and I opened a wellness boutique to find products that I should be taking every day. And I even got my husband on some that he loves and just open a store so that I can help other people. Like I can do the research with the companies. I can find out what we need and what we need it for. And then all you have to do is just come and, you know, sit and talk with me or call me and I can help you out too. That's great. So, you know, after, I love the fact that you're inspired to help others after all of the things that you went through, especially those who are impacted by their own uh, ailments and, and detriments to their, to their physical well-being. Tell us a little bit more about the Wellness Boutique, its intent, and, and how people connect with you, how and some of the things that you've been able to coach people through. I mean, we touched base on that a little bit the last time I spoke, and, and I find some of those stories to be compelling. So tell us a little bit about those folks, your customers, and how you've come to help them. So after my accident, like I said, I just kind of redid everything. Um, my way of thinking about my business, I started doing some networking and talking with other small business owners and finding ways that I could do this new idea that popped into my head. So I opened the store, like I said, to because you go to the vitamin store, right? Or the, the natural food store or wherever. And there's like six bottles of vitamin C. They're all by a different company. They all look different, but they're the same thing. Which one are you going to buy? You don't know. Are you buying the right one? Who knows? Are they trustworthy? I don't know. And there's nobody there that's going to really be able to help you. And so that's frustrating. And I, it was time for me to get serious. So I decided to open the store to do all of that work so other people would have somewhere to go that they could trust who had already done the work for them. And everything in my store, as long as it pertains to me, because there's a couple of things that don't pertain to me, I've tried them. And my, I just want to spread like my message and my personal testimony and how it helped me that. So one of the, I had a couple come in and they were struggling severely with their marriage because his wife loved him, but she didn't want any, I mean, no physical touch, no sex, no nothing with him. She, but she didn't want to leave him. Like she loved him. She just didn't want him to touch her like that. And that's not like her. She, you know, used to not be that way. And I had had a similar, the same problem. And so I did a little research. I found some products. I started using them. I mean, a huge change. Like I can tell a huge difference. And so I sat down with them, talked with them about it, told them what I did or what I had gone through, what I felt like the products I started using, how long I had been using them, how you take them and the change that it made for me and my husband. And it wasn't two weeks later that they were having sex and (laughs) they were happy. And, 
you know, that means so much because I know how frustrating it is. And when it's your hormones, that's something that's out of your control. You know, something that happens, it's out of your control, but there is something that you can do about it. And a lot of people don't know that. And it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg either. So literally it saved a marriage. The yeah. likelihood is that it saved a marriage. I mean, that's pretty powerful, you know, and, and yeah, two, two happier people. Yes. <laughs> so you've endured more than your share of strife and heartache. And I know that you said that sometimes you, there are some things that you haven't even began, begun to address or talk about, but have you finally been able to find a degree of peace and happiness in your life? Yes. You know, and I continue to work on myself every day and I continue to research new products and inquire about doing business with new companies. But I feel like a completely different person than I did two years ago. And honestly, even at the beginning, the beginning of 2020, I feel like a completely different person since then. And I have new goals for 2021 that I'm really excited about. And I, you know, I, I feel good. I feel good mentally, emotionally. I laugh more. I think like I'm, I'm letting loose. I'm being able to breathe. So I'm very thankful for this journey. And I want to help people who are either going through what I went through or help them avoid it as far as their health. I love that. So I adore talking to you and you're always a breath of fresh air and you continuously teach me something new about resilience or in wellness and positivity. You're, you're certainly a positive person, but I know I can't keep you forever. So I have one more question for you. You have a demonstrated history dedicated to growth and evolution. So what do you see in the future? What does the future look like for Brooklyn? So I'm writing a book, a second book. And it's going to be a good one. So stay tuned. (laughs) I don't want to reveal too much. (laughs) And I hope to start having, I want to start having like summits to educate people on the things that I've learned. And a lot of my my businesses, a lot of the posts that I put out are like geared more towards women, but honestly, it's everywhere. And it's mostly just because women are the ones who actually care about self-care, but this can help everybody, no matter what age or gender it's for everybody. So I just spreading my message and writing my book. Perfect. So tell the listeners where they can find more about you directly and, and contact you if they would love to take advantage of your services. Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook at Lafleur Couture, and I do a free web series every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time in that group. So it's really beneficial, and you can also buy the products there as well if you want. And then you can find me on Instagram at Brooklyn3. All right. Thanks so much for being here. I enjoyed every second. Yes, thank you so much. It was (laughs) fun. And you're going to have to come back and give us the inside scoop on the new book. Yes, I will. All right. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the JTD Coaches Me podcast. You can find additional resources and information about Joanne at jtdcoachesme.com. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates and new episodes. You can also follow Joanne on social media under JTD Coaches Me. 